voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Welcome in, Tiger fans. It's great to be back. It's another edition of Hearing Voices, where we get to talk with, learn with, and uh, just all around enjoy a conversation with the voices that bring college sports alive. This one you're going to recognize, this one you're going to know, but kind of been trying to get him in here for, for a long, long time. He's a very busy man, though, but uh, <laughs> we've been able to finally corral former Tiger, former Tiger champ, or he, as he likes me to say, Tiger champion, period. Uh, and now part of our broadcast on the LSU Sports Radio Network uh, does a little bit of everything. Please welcome to the show my good buddy, Doug Thompson. Doug, it's great to have you oh, in here. Always great to be with you, Chris. Great to hang out. Man, we are right here in the heat of the baseball season, which I know is the part yeah. of the year you love and have loved since you were a little boy. Uh, and it's, you know, we say it every year because this is, believe it or not, the eighth year you and I have worked together yeah. calling LSU baseball, which A, doesn't seem like eight years seems like yesterday we were starting for the Cincinnati game but secondly here we are I mean closing in on three quarters of the way through already well past the halfway point of this season and you know I was told a long time ago that as you get older things move faster I think they were right they're right I I couldn't (laughs) every year it's crazy how quick the season gets here it's crazy how whoa we're already to the SEC this year has absolutely blown by can't believe we're, uh, you know, like you said, about halfway, three quarters of the way through. But wow, what a great year it's been so far, huh? I think this is probably an easy answer for you uh, and maybe seems like a very obvious question. But again, you had such a great career here at LSU. You've been so close to the program, both for your coach, Skip Bertman, Paul Maneri, of course, um, you, you were close with, and, and you've become uh, super good friends with Jay Johnson. So it's very close, near and dear to you, as mm-hmm. you would expect. But getting the opportunity to, to, again, go call the action for LSU, which, again, takes some time. I mean, you've got a family. You've got a job. This is my job. But you have to carve a lot of time out to do it. Mm-hmm. What is it that appealed to you, and why is it that you continue to do it? Because goodness knows I don't know why. Well, I'll tell you the story. Um, you know, I'd done it uh, before, both on TV and, and even some radio times when they asked, to, you know, some, when somebody needed to fill in. And I'd always enjoyed it. Uh, and then you came in town and kind of unexpectedly, uh, I think, you know, it was Ward Wyatt that reached out and said, listen, we'd like you to consider this. And you gave me a few days to think it through. Uh, because the one thing you guys talked about was continuity. And you coming in to fill in, of course, for a legend, Jim Hawthorne, you wanted to make, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't this kind of revolving door of guys sitting next to you. And I took that to heart. And believe it or not, um, you know, the night – before we were, you and I were meeting at 8 a.m. for me to give you the, the decision of what I was going to do. And at 10 p.m. the night before, I thought I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't give you that time. And a good buddy of mine, actually a former teammate, Blair Barbier, uh, of course, played here, won a couple national championships. He's my oldest son's godfather. And he said, he called, he said, What are you going to do? And I said, I don't think I can do it. I got, at the time, had, you know, two children. And, um, you know, uh, well, no, not two children. Let's see. I had, yeah, no, two children. Cal was born the, the third year in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, even then I thought it was going to be overwhelming. And, and he said, man, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. And I, and I, they, my boys were two, they, Cam was 
five. Yeah. And Cade was, you know, Cam was seven and Cade was one, like, or, or two or three. So I really hadn't thought about them and, and my decision making other than I'm going to be, you know, with them and absorbed by their time. Um, and he said, man, but what, what an incredible, I, I, I'm shocked. I thought you were going to do it for the boys. And at that point, it, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, think about that, that access. Uh, just it, just getting to walk around with you and, and meet these players. And when they go to Omaha, you're going to bring one with them, which, of course, I did. And, man, that changed everything for me. And, and the next day, I was, I was sure that I wanted to do it. And, man, our, our kids have literally at this point grown up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's what fuels it, right? I leave it up to them every year uh, before you and I meet to discuss the schedule. And a couple years ago, they were a little bit like, you know, maybe not because I was missing a lot of their games. That's kind of the, as you well know, mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of the, the, the what, what, you know, the, the residual effect. And that, that year they ran outside as I was backing up the truck and said, no, 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 dad, one more year, one more year. <laughs> and now it's not even a question. In fact, my boys have said now multiple times, listen, if you don't have to coach me, that's fine, but you got to do the box because they're huge baseball fans. They love being up there with us. They love watching those games. And uh, for me, that's what kind of fuels the fire. But look, I'd be remiss and I'd be a liar uh, to say that being able to sneak up there with a good buddy uh, for three, four, sometimes five hours and put those headsets on. And you know how silly it gets sometime and how much fun we have. I'd be a liar to tell you that I don't personally get something out of it and enjoy it. And then at the end of the day, I get to watch uh, one of my favorite things on earth, and that's LSU baseball. And I, I love it because I played there. I love it because how passionate people are. I love it because of all the teammates that I had and all the great memories that I had, the great memories my family had around LSU baseball. And I'm blessed, and I thank you and Ward and all the others that have kept me around for, uh, for this for for this time. I'm, I'm hopeful, good Lord willing, to continue it uh, for as long as possible because I'm sure having a lot of fun. And, and again, uh, my boys have grown up there and it's been just such a special experience for our family. Again, a lot, to, you know, you, you're talking there and, I, and I'm thinking back, a lot to unpack. And I think people would be interested to know because you mm -hmm. talked about the impact that being around the box, being at the games has on your young kids. Mm -hmm. I know when we moved here from Georgia, uh, my son Crafton, who <laughs> is going to graduate in about a month, which is unbelievable. Makes me sick. But uh, he was in sixth grade, and prior to that time in Georgia, he played soccer, he played baseball, you know, little league baseball, played basketball, he just played everything. Um, and I really could not tell you that there was a favorite sport. You know, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, hey, it's this time of year, this is what we do. Um, and that first year in 2016. Um, going to the box, sitting up there behind home plate, watching, as you said, the passion of the box. I mean, mm -hmm. just the energy that you get up there. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, baseball became his sole focus. And, yeah. I mean, he knows more about the deals in the Major League Baseball, like who's getting traded and how much they're getting and why they're yeah. losing. And, again, that's the impact that LSU baseball has had for decades upon decades now, thanks to Skip Burtman and thanks to all those great mm -hmm. teams, that that's – that's how powerful it is, and it certainly has affected your kids, not only because you played and loved the game, but because they've been around this atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Second part of it is I've talked to a lot of former athletes that, again, go into broadcasting sometimes part-time, sometimes full-time, and they do talk about that they certainly miss their playing days, mm -hmm. and if they could go back, they would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but it gives them a chance to be around, as you said, the players get to talk with the coaches, you know, talk strategy, understand why the coach wants to do this or why the personnel decisions. 
I got to believe that's part of it too, because you do get to hang out with these guys. You get to be around a guy like Dylan Cruz, who is a generational player, as well as visit with Jay Johnson. And probably on a, on a pretty regular basis, as much as you've played, as much as you know about the game, you probably are still learning just because you're around these people that are at the top level of college baseball. It's the greatest game on earth. We say it all the time on the radio. You, you can watch it uh, every day, all day, and, and still see something you've never seen. It's such a special game. There's so many great life lessons woven into the game. And, you know, just like all my teammates uh, that, that played here and, and, and before and after, and even just the guys that you play in high school, but once you're a ball player, and, and like Crafton Blair is right now, and once you spend a significant portion of your life eating it, breathing it, sleeping it, dreaming it, thinking it, trying to be better at it, you're always going to be a ball player until the day they put you in the dirt. So there is absolutely a cathartic feeling for me to go in there and put those headsets on. And, and now, you know, you know, at first it was tough because work would call some and the family would call some. But now it's just kind of part of who I am and my, my, and my wife and sons know uh, that you know, when I'm at the ballpark, I'm there, and and it's. Uh, but to be able to talk the game, uh, I love to watch a football game with a guy that used to play football. Yeah, absolutely. I love yes. to sit and listen to a ba- or watch a basketball game when a guy that used to coach or play the game. There's nothing better than that for me. I'm asking questions nonstop. I'll tell my buddies all the time, "Hey, teach me here. Yeah. Like I want to learn from you right now." So. Um, for me, I hope to be able to bring that to our listeners. Like, uh, of course, I, I'm, I didn't go to broadcasting, broad, broadcasting or journalism school. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know that, you know, not everybody's going to love the message. But for me, the message, I'm always trying to talk to a 12-year-old baseball player. Like, when, if the kids can't see it, and sometimes they'll put us into the TV, which, you know, can be confusing for some of our listeners – um, <clears throat> but I'm always trying to use that moment for the kid listening that's not sure about what to do on that play. Uh, that's, the, that's where I'm trying to explain it. I have such a passion for the sport, uh, much less LSU baseball. So what you're hearing from me is truly uh, just an old ball player that is watching the game and trying to give the listener as much of the detail of the sport itself um, that I can, uh, like, I, I want you to know that that was not only a fastball in the outside corner, but that thing was 98 miles an hour because there's a certain respect level, uh, for the, for certainly the bold ball player who's listening. Right. But even that child that's listening. So I have so much fun doing it, Chris. And I love talking about baseball, uh, in that booth when we get in there and, and the doors shut and, and you start <laughs> off, uh, with the open, that's a, that's a cool thing to do for the next three or four hours. I was asked last week, as I've been asked a number of times, like, what's your favorite sport to call? And I said, well, it depends on what time of year and where you find me. Like, if you find me at the 50-yard line at Tiger Stadium prior to kickoff, I'm, I'm going to tell you this is it. Yeah. Courtside at the Maryland Center right before tip-off, I'm going to tell you, oh, no, there's nothing better than this. Exactly. And then right now, to be right there behind home plate at the box, um, the weekends we've had so far – Again, with the matchups, the electricity, I don't think it'll be any different this weekend. Kentucky comes in ranked number 12, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, There really isn't anything better than that. It is so – I mean, you do have to pinch yourself and think, you know, there are colleges all over the country that play college baseball, uh, but there are none like this. And here's a perfect example. I was joking with Jay Johnson Monday. So Jay has his media session. Uh, and I know you'll appreciate this. So the media's are gathered over at the Champions Club, and they're asking questions. Midway through, the door opens, 
And here comes Skip Burtman. He just comes in, has a seat. He's listening to Jay. He's listening to the questions. And then um, afterwards, he and Jay go in his office, and they talk about who knows what. But the, and I told Jay, I said, how about that? I mean, you were excited to come to LSU because of the legend and the lore and playing in the SEC and a chance to go to Omaha every year. But the fact that the legend, Skip Bertman, can just on a random Monday walk in and be an asset for you to bounce things off of, ask things about. He said, no, that's, that, that's, that's like unlike any place on earth that you have that opportunity. I know you're super close with Skip, but those are the things I think sometimes we take for granted that Skip is here. Mm-hmm. And there's not many people walking on this earth that have the baseball knowledge Mm-mm. that Skip Bertman has anywhere. Uh, you know, he's a savant. When it, when it comes to baseball, uh, he's a savant. You know, you look at all this data now that we're getting with the pitches and the track man and, and even opponents' batting averages and the whip and all these things, right? I'm telling you, Skip was doing that 30 years ago. Now, it was on a whiteboard. And he used a music stand to hold all the data, and there was no computer screens. Uh, but if he if he had the things that that's available now, uh, it, it he'd be it's hard scary to, to think. He'd be hard to beat. It really, anywhere I mean, the game itself would just beat him because you can't win them all in baseball. It's just not a thing, right? Nobody's ever gone 162 and 0 in the big leagues, and that'll never happen. And no one will win them all in college baseball. We've seen so many games just slip away because the ball hit the bag, and if the guy wouldn't have fallen, and if the the tag would have been earlier, I mean, that's why. It's such a great game. Uh, but when you, when you talk about Skip Bertman, um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I heard uh, Jeff Southall, Rooster, uh, as many people know, and, <laughs> and Pete Bush and others say the other day just, and I've heard it many times, that uh, what they used to tell parents on recruiting trips uh, when their sons would come to Baton Rouge was, you're going to come here, your son's going to get a degree. But he's also going to get a Harvard, edu- Harvard education on, on the game of baseball. And, and that was true. I mean, Skip taught us the game. Uh, we prepared for so many guys would practice getting hit by a pitch. And we would, uh, you know, practice so many different unusual scenarios. We had certain balk moves that we would try in certain situations, willing to forfeit the balk, but also knowing that if we execute it right, we might get away and get an out. Like there was just – he just knows the game so well. But – what made him special is not that. There's been a lot of coaches that really know this game well. What made Skip special was his ability to motivate each player individually, right? Like there wasn't just this blanket of motivation, and if you bought it, some bought it, not. But he knew when it came down to the game, he knew how to talk to certain pitchers on the mound. He knew what to say to certain. He knew what to do to get the best out of each one of you. You know, it's interesting. I don't mean to cut you no, off. No, not at all. But we talk about now, and I don't know how many times I've talked to, to coaches uh, at all sports about the psychology of the game, the mental aspect of the student athlete. And, of course, it's at the forefront now. Yeah. I mean, they, there are people who that's their profession. That's right. And teaching coaches how to handle. You talked about being ahead of the game when it comes to analytics. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that sounds like a guy that was way ahead of time understanding that each person is individual and to maximize their potential, I have to handle each person individually. That's right. That, that wasn't done 30 years ago. Not, not as good as, as he did it. And then, you know, I guess most importantly, you know, 30 years later, looking back at it all, even with the championships and, and learning so much about baseball and still have a lot to learn. Like, I'll learn something tonight. Yeah. I honestly will – every game I watch, if it's my 9-year-old, my 12-year-old, or an LSU game, there's something that I see that I'm like, man, I never thought of it like that. And that's why I love this game so much. But um, most importantly, Chris, 
he used the game. He used the failures. He used the, the victories to teach lessons about life and how to be a good human and how to do the right things and eventually how to raise our children. Like my kids know that uh, anything that you vividly imagine, ardently desire, like my kids know about hold the rope. Right. My kids know how to win awarenesses. And when I say my kids, I don't mean just my sons. They, of course, know. But all the kids I've ever coached, if you were to ask them, what's HWA? They'd say how to win awareness. And that man taught me that. And he taught me so many other things. And all I do, like I found myself the first four or five years I coached Cam, my first son, like, oh, I haven't said this yet. Hey, guys, come up real quick. Let me tell you this story Uh, because I wanted to give it all to him because it was so special. So, yes, the program is lucky to have a guy like that uh, in its corner. Uh, But I tell you what, uh, I will forever be a fan of Jay Johnson. And this is on this is being recorded. No matter how good or bad the man does, no matter how many games he wins or not, because he is with open arms taking Coach Bertman in. He's accepted. uh, he, he, He calls to him. Right. Uh, And he's really given Coach Burtman, you know, this 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 really this new vigor. Like when I talk to Coach Burtman now about LSU baseball, uh, he's excited about it. And and he's excited about it for the same reason a lot of us that saw it 35 years ago. Uh, It's hard even to describe in books. And you hear people talk about the the 90s where five championships in 10 years. I mean, think about that. (laughs) Right. how ex- how exciting it was around Baton Rouge. Even the years that they didn't win the championships, most of those years, they still went to Omaha, right? right? Yeah. So you remember how exciting that was in 2017 when the team went to Omaha, right? With, yeah. With those guys. Exciting. And they went to the final series, and that was awesome. This electricity started like night one. Like, to me, uh, you know, I hear the Tommy. And by the way, everybody who listens to this, I wish that would start more because, again, a guy, right. I get some nostalgic <laughs> feelings because when I played, that chant was Eddie, Eddie. And, of course, we know who that guy is. I've uh, often said, you know, a lot of a lot of arenas and stadiums now have a hype man, Harrison, you know, that's there. <laughs> See, we need to get a, a mic from the PA for Doug because he could, he could do the radio, but he also could be the hype man because there are times during the game where he's like, this is where I need to tell the student section. This is where they need yeah, to start yeah. the this Tommy This is where chant. it needs this to be loud. This is when LSU needs to be chanted. I mean, he he understands it, but it's getting there. It's well, getting it there. is. And I saw, like, the other night was a perfect example. I, I don't remember the moment exactly, but I do know that the pitching change was made, the bases were juiced, and I told you, I was like, when we came back, and they had just done calling Baton Rouge, and everybody was excited. I think it was the night we came back. I, I don't know. I can't remember the exact game. But I said, man, right now, there needs to be three players turned around looking at the stands with the towels. Like right now, the energy needs to be electric because we can win the game. I've seen it. I'm not just saying it because I think it. Like I saw it happen. Yeah. I saw the energy literally just demoralize the other team or the other pitcher. I saw it happen. So And they're coming. They're coming. Like, um, you know, you, you mentioned the greatest moments, and, and I'm sure you – I would love to – I can't wait for your book because uh, each one of those seasons, <laughs> they all have their certain excitement. But now it's kind of turned into that time where they play the call in Baton Rouge and they're going to the pen and we've got them on the ropes. Uh, 
um, on, a, on a Friday night, that's about as electric as college baseball gets, right? The energy there when they say Louisiana and everybody chants it. Uh, if, if you don't have chill bumps, you know, you need to go to the doctor and, yeah, and you, find out what's yeah, wrong. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun year. It's been a fun ride. And uh, it's such a special program to me and my family, but so many other people. And I think that you've learned that now uh, in your eight years. Baseball means a lot here in Baton Rouge. No question about it. Doug Thompson, part of the LSU Sports Radio Network, my broadcast partner for baseball, is our guest this week on Hearing Voices. Go see the guys at Subaru of Baton Rouge for your next new or pre-owned vehicle. They have a large selection of new, certified, and pre-owned vehicles to fit any budget. The Fabry Automotive family will treat you right and make your purchase experience an easy one. You can view their entire inventory online at SubaruBR.com. That's SubaruBR.com. You made me think about something. I've had this, I've heard this longtime argument with LSU fans that night games versus day games at the box, totally different. Mm -hmm. You agree? Yeah, I think there's a little bit more energy and maybe a little bit more, uh, you know. Liquid encouragement. Liquid and lubrication uh, for the night games that makes them a little. But now, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the liquid energy is available in the stadium. You know, back in the day, they used to go outside and sneak back in. And, you know, it was such an ordeal. But now it's there. So, uh, I don't know, man. We've seen, we've seen electricity, you and I, uh, you know, thinking about some of these games, the Rally Possum game. And there's oh been my so gosh. many games that at the end of the night, Night, you and I, after we take the headsets off, we're kind of sitting there like uh, it's one of those like I need a cigarette moments. Like, it's, wow, it's, what did we just watch? I don't know how know? many times we've looked at each other and go, man, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Literally. Then a week later, 10 days later, it's like, man, it don't get any better than that. Exactly. It happens time and time again, which is, again, the joy of being a part of LSU baseball. This team, 2023, and mm-hmm. I, I've said it on this show, talked, I had Ben McDonald on in early Feb, mid-February, and, and I said, Ben, I don't like to use hyperbole. And I don't like comparing this team to this team of a different era because, let's face it, college baseball 10 years ago is different than today. 20 years ago, different. But again, just top to bottom, Dylan Cruz, who you came out very early and said, all around, best LSU player ever. I mean, truly five-tool player. Uh, Ben agreed with that. Um, had a lot of guys who Mm -hmm. were really good players in their own right, plus Mm -hmm. played with some really good players that said, yeah, Total package, Dylan Cruz, the best ever. Uh, we know Dylan Cruz. We know Tommy White. We know Trey Morgan, mm-hmm. who's so skilled with the bat and so good in the field. Um, not even talking about the pitchers. I'm just looking at this lineup. Mm-hmm. And Bill Franquez and I had this conversation last week in Columbia. I mean, it's it's got to be daunting when you're a pitcher oh. going up there. And you're confident in your stuff. Oh. But you're like, oh, wow. All right. I didn't give up the home run to Tommy White. Or I didn't give up the the, the double in the alley to Cruz. Yay! Now I got Tommy White coming up. <laughs> now I got to go through this, or I got Gavin Dugas mm-hmm. at the plate, or there's two men on, and Trey Morgan's got an 0-2 count. I'm still not out of the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be again why LSU is is such an exciting team this year. Is that there's really not a lot of weakness. If you're struggling, if you're if you're scuffling for a couple starts, and, and that lineup runs into your ballpark, you got to go there. The, you'd have to really prepare for that game mentally. On the same note, though. The dogs, that lineup's going to get the best out of the dogs. And what Coach Burtman and many coaches and all coaches know, that no matter what's one through nine, right, if the other pitcher, even a pitcher that's not necessarily Paul Skeens, 
right? A guy that's 94 to 96 with a – four years ago, this is like the best pitcher in the country I'm describing right now. Now it's everybody. just really everybody. <laughs> 93 to 95, he's got a nice slider, he's got a nice changeup. And, and, and that night, he goes out there and he has a magical night where he's feeling them all. It doesn't matter, right? So, um, But for most guys – don't have that right most guys aren't that dog who's coasting on this you know this this high trajectory who's been winning 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 so yeah for for most of the pitchers out there who are scuffling and we see it all the time the eras are higher you know every night we get a list of pitchers and you know that line that when, when you talk about eras there's usually three or four with an era less than two and then it gets to the threes and it's like woof you know eight, down nine, to five eight nine twenty right so yeah when those guys get in it's like, oh no, right, and, that, and that's where it, that's where it pays off. That's what's been interesting watching this team because there have been some of those dogs mm -hmm. uh, for, especially in SEC play, especially game one starters. Mm -hmm. I mean that this league is littered with incredible pitchers that will play at the next level. Always it seems has been. To, it seems to be the second or third time around is when the Tigers figure it out and they unlock the 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 key. The key unlocks it. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get in trouble. And again, mm -hmm. they're just trying to get to the bullpen, as you pointed out, to get to those higher ERAs. Right. But even for the great pitchers, again, going through this lineup twice is quite an accomplishment. To do it three times. That again, night is special. Yeah. You're yeah. having a special night. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Like, there's no such thing that we, I say it all the time, like, ball four in the first inning, first walk. I'm like, uh oh. And then ball four, and then the hit by pitch. And I'll say, Chris, the one thing you can't do with this type of lineup is give them free bases. And when we see these 10 run rolls, when we see these blowouts, that's the, that's the sign early in the game. We've seen a couple pitchers, like the kid from uh, Iowa. Right, he pitched around a little bit of wildness, but he threw 101, 102 miles an hour too. Right, yeah. and and that was a that was kind of a freak thing. But everyone else, like, what I'm trying to say is, if you're a good Friday night starter, and you go out there and you walk four or five against a team who's in the middle of the pack or really struggling in the SEC, you could still win that game. But if you're a Friday night starter and you go out there and walk four or five or hit a one, you know four and hit one or two against LSU, it's just going to be you're dancing on a thin sheet of ice, as a, a good buddy of mine often says, <laughs> right? I mean, you're just literally going to have to really get through some lucky moments and get some line drive outs at the right moment uh, because you the one thing you have to do is be able to come in against a team like this and establish your strike zone early or they're going to take advantage of it. Picking the brain of a good baseball mind, Doug Thompson, our guest this week on Hearing Voices. Before we kind of head towards wrapping it up, I, I got to ask you because you were a pitcher here. Um, you know what it takes to be a starter. You know what it takes to be valuable out of the bullpen. Obviously, we're at this point. We don't have definitive answers mm -hmm. on a number of guys who uh, have been shelved, uh, at least for some period of time. Uh, the hope is you get Javen Coleman back sooner than later, uh, which would be miraculous, but all indications are he's made a great comeback off of surgery. But it, it, regardless of whether these guys come back or not, right now you're going to have to rely on other guys to step up. And some of those guys we saw last year. And it was interesting talking to Jay Monday night during his radio show, Doug. He, he said, hey, I have faith in the guys we're going to count on the next mm -hmm. couple of weeks. And I think that's because he saw uh, Bryce Collins, Sam Dutton. He saw some of these guys last year. But there's going to be other guys. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Bucknam, who, who struggled last week but has pitched well. Um, I mean, 
how concerned are you, number one? Number two, do you feel that same kind of confidence that the stuff is there, they just got to go out and execute? It's not as if the cupboard's completely barren. No, 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 no. And, and I'll start the whole discussion, and we talked about it a little bit on the way up. Um, it kind of, for me, starts with looking at Christian, Christian Little and Thatcher Hurd. Um, I, I, I hope they land on their feet soon because with them it's certainly not the stuff. They both have the stuff to be able to be dominant in college, but they've, they've scuffled a little bit. And the injuries are part of it, right? Now, now these are two big ones. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, losing you know the Saturday starter to start off the season uh, and Grant Taylor, <laughs> that didn't help either. Yeah, already but injuries in to everyone across the land are going to happen to some big arms. Well, the, the thing is, though, these injuries feel like really impactful right now, but I don't feel like they would so much if Christian Little and Thatcher Hurd p- had pitched to the point to, of where they're, where they're capable of gotcha. being. Gotcha. So I think if we see those guys, and, and again, baseball is a crazy game. I, I'd really have to, to dive into their outings to look at the pitches they threw, to see the mistakes that they made, if there were any. Uh, sometimes you just get hit around a couple outings in a row. Again, another great reason the sport is so awesome. Um, so if those two can settle in, and then you've got the Duttons and some of these kids like Bryce Collins uh, that have got some innings under their belt that might be able to go out there and get you some big outs and some big moments. And, and the Will Herring kid, 95 miles an hour from a lefty, Javen Coleman, uh, you and I texted and I told you, yeah, we need him to come back for sure. That's not even debatable. But the problem is right now it feels like we need him to not only come back but also be like dominant, ready to go 75 pitches, <laughs> right. outing number one on Sunday it would be nice. Uh, and, of course, we're not going to get that. It's going to take him a little bit of time. But absolutely, the cupboard is not bare. And when you have a guy like Paul Skeens on Friday night that puts you in the driver's seat to at least get one, right? I don't want to – I want to knock on wood here. Because, again, that other guy could have a great night too. you got to respect the game itself. But Paul Skeens um, is, is maybe the most dominant pitcher – uh, that we've ever seen here. And he may be one of the most dominant college pitchers of all time. And, and here's what I mean by that. This guy, in my opinion, right now, the only difference between him and any guy in the major leagues is the uniform they're wearing. Like, it, like I truly believe, and I, there's probably a lot of professional scouts out there, this guy's an idiot, but a lot of people think that, so it doesn't matter. But I really do think that Paul Skeens right now could go figure it out in the big leagues. Jay would and, agree with you. Him. Know? Jay's with uh, you. I, and I don't know that we've ever quite seen – Ben uh, didn't spend a whole lot of time in the minor leagues. Ben is uh, easily the, the greatest of all time here. There's no disputing that. There never will be. Um, uh, and Ben – probably could have gotten away in the big leagues, right? His junior year here when he won the Golden Spikes, I mean, he was that dominant. But, I mean, that was, what, 30 years ago? For This is a once every 25, 30, 40 years type of talent that we're seeing out there with this kid. And that mean I mean, no disrespect to the greats that have been here, such as Kevin Gosman and Lang and, of course, Nola. And I could go on and on and on with so many great pitchers that have been here. This kid's a little bit different. Um, you know, the fastball gets to 100. I think his best pitch is a 94 to 97 mile an hour two-seamer. Uh, he throws a changeup for a strike, and his slider is absolutely lights out and disgusting. I was asked, uh, again, I think he got hosed on Thursday, uh, and I stand by that. Prior to the game, there was a lightning delay. 
They told us all we were in the dugout. They said, hey, everybody off the field and out of the dugout. So we all scurried away. 30 minutes. All right, get BP going again. Everybody get mm-hmm. ready for pregame. No tarp. There was no chance of rain. There was a lightning strike mm-hmm. like seven and three-quarter miles away from the stadium. Fourth inning, same deal happens. It's a lightning strike. No rain. There was no rain in the forecast. And all of a sudden, they say, you know, everybody, you know, 30-minute delay, Okay. And then you're thinking, all right, there may be. You know, they may try to keep him loose, and there's a they shot. They would have for 30 minutes. Here come the tarps out of the right field corner. I'm like, what? And then Jay, and I mean, it was a pretty heated discussion down there on the field about yeah. why are we pulling the tarp. But I think we all knew why they well, pulled the tarp. Well, because Jay knows. That, that's, that makes this 30 now, 45, maybe an hour. Yep. And, they and it knew. was an hour. And, and look, Chris, I mean, if you and I were in that South Carolina dugout, hundred percent, I'd be like, "Hey, I'd be out, I'd be the coach, the first guy to the tarp hey, rolling hey, it out." You we know go I mean? ahead and roll the tarp out. <laughs> There's no doubt. And all we gotta do, he's gonna be mad, but so what? Like, let's just do it, it's, right? I mean, it got him out of the game. And you yes, know what we were told? This is the funny part: is that they were there was a question as to why now are we pulling the tarp, but we didn't earlier. The answer from their their grounds crew was precautionary. Mm-hmm. So they already had it. I mean, you're right. I'd been the first guy out there. Yeah, going, precautionary hey, against his 16 punch outs. We're about because, to eat. And here's why. Here's why I agree with you about Paul Skeens. And I was asked Friday on a radio interview, like, hey, you know, he's, he, we, we know his stuff's dominant. We know he's throwing 100, 200, 3 miles an hour at times. Mm-hmm. But does, can he continue to go on this run that he's having? And I said, yes. Last night he threw 49 pitches. He got shut down because of a lightning delay. He gave up two home runs early which he hadn't done, he, South Carolina said, we're looking fastball and we're swinging. Like, it, miss or hit, we're swinging. Suddenly, they hit two home runs, and then he starts setting them up with the breaking ball mm. for strikes mm. at 88, 89, mm. and they had no answer. Suddenly, he's got eight strikeouts. He was on his way to get double-digit strikeouts again. Oh, That's easy. why I know you talk talking How about him being special. How many innings was it? Three, right? Three innings. Yeah, eight punch-outs? Yeah, yeah. So – Again, I it means think, we had to make one out, on and the defense. adjustment he made from all right, they're looking for fastball. I got to get them off pitch balance. Backwards, yeah. yeah, pitch backwards, and again, that's why he's special. Doug Thompson is our guest this week. Uh, this edition could go probably three, four oh, hours, but it. he's busy, and you know Harrison's busy. I got nothing to do, but uh, maybe next time we can go longer. I, I did want to talk about Hoover. We'll um, have a pre Omaha hearing voice. Yeah, we'll, yeah, that'll we'll be fun. Omaha, yeah. But Hoover and the tournament, and I, and I talked to Ben about it. Because, yeah, going to Omaha is the ultimate. And, and Tiger fans plan their year around it, oh, yeah. which, again, I think is great. The city of Omaha plans every year for the Tigers to get Absolutely up there. Absolutely hoping it puts the purple a and gold finds a way there for Big sure. influx into yeah. their economy. But, but I always love to talk about Hoover because, again, it's not mm-hmm. that far away. It's, you can get there by car easily, although you can get to Omaha by car, which is a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> There and back. Mm-hmm. But it's such a great tournament because, I mean, you're watching the best team. And this year, and it's every year, but this year when you look at the top 25, you look at the way this tournament's going to be set up, who's going to be there, who's playing in it, the coaches, the players. I mean, it's a, it, I really enjoy Hoover. And I've oh. been to Omaha once, and it was fantastic. As you said, we were there two weeks. So yeah. we got to enjoy all of it every but the title. That's right. But Hoover to me is a lot of fun. I mean, well, it's just it, it, it's just great. Hoover, to, we've always said. I mean, um, you know, when I played at LSU, I'm pretty sure '97 and '98, out of the 18 field in the 
College World Series, four were SEC schools, and it's like that now. I mean, even the top ten, look at it today. I, I haven't looked at it, uh, but I bet there's five or six SEC schools in the top ten. So, yes, when, like to me, the SEC tournament is way more difficult to actually win <laughs> than the College World Series. That's, that's, people um, think we're crazy when we say that, but it's true. But, but it's true. The best players are there and the best teams are there, and it is a fun time, and, um, you know, it's a great ballpark. It gets a little warm in in the in the press box, yeah, but we're but prepared you, for you're that. You're good. We've got plenty of fans. Now. We've learned. We're veterans of it. Uh, we've seen some great games there. We've had a lot of fun there too. So I love when we go to the to ballpark. It. First game for Hoover when LSU is playing the security guards. Of course, when we go in the media gate, we got to give them our bag. And they uh. look through our bag, and I usually have the equipment. We you know the first time we go in, they have to go through our equipment. But the, I love looking at their faces when Doug comes walking up there with his book bag and like three or four yeah, I'm not fans. Scared. I'm not scared. I mean, he's got the big box fan. He's got a couple of small fans. He's got medium sized fans, and they're just like, I think you're the only person that's bringing fans yeah. into the stadium. Well, come sit and with us for Doug's about like, thirty well, I guess minutes. I'm the only smart guy here. Yeah, it I is mean, hot. It gets a little. It gets a little warm. And then you got me, you, and Billy. Yeah, it's a There's tight There's a lot box. of body heat in there. Billy gets fired up. You know, he starts sweating a little bit. So I just try to keep it cooled off for everybody, because you know we've had some punches thrown behind us yes, before. We'll gets maybe into we'll it. talk about that in our next episode. Yeah, that'd be but, perfect for the Prioma. Um, yeah, if yeah. I can keep, I just try to keep Bill cooled down because I feel like when he gets hot, he those gets fists crazy. start fly, he gets flying. Crazy. And, you know, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a big good deal. time. But we do have a good time there. And uh, again, I just like to tell people. I know some people plan for Omaha, and you have to set aside the budget to get up mm-hmm. there, fly up there, stay up there. I get all that. But if you haven't been to the SEC tournament, I think the SEC and I give them, I give them hell a lot of times. They're not perfect. But they do get the SEC baseball tournament right. It is an incredible event. It's televised great on the network. Those guys have a good time. We have fun with them because they're next to the next to us in the booth. Um, I'll it's tell you, a, the, it's the, a great. The time. biggest difference that I see between the two in terms of a family deal. In Omaha, you're not going to feel real comfortable letting your kids go run off, right? Like, it's not like that. It's it's very AAA, you know, big league stadium, minus 40,000 seats perhaps. But – the the SEC tournament in Hoover, one of my favorite things to do is watch the kids fighting for the balls and sliding down, down the, the burn, literally yeah. the entire yeah. time. So it's really is a family. They have the kids town right next door. It's a great deal. You should check it out if you haven't. Looking forward to getting there. And, uh, Doug, looking forward to this weekend. Again, yeah. I know Kentucky, it's amazing. We looked at the schedule to start the year, and we're like, all right, we open at A&M. That'll be mm-hmm. tough because they'll be ranked. Then we got Arkansas coming here. That's always tough. Then Tennessee, the team everybody loves to hate, they're going to be very good. And then we kind of, I guess at the time, was like, yeah, South Carolina will be all right. Kentucky will be, you know. Yeah. And here we are, five straight SEC weekends, top 12 teams, and Kentucky's no different. And one of the things about them that I think is going to be fun this weekend, just to remind fans who are coming to the games or watching or listening, according to Jay, this Kentucky team under Coach Mingione, they're like going to use everything at their disposal to score runs. Like, Anything you can do legally to get aboard, get over, and get in, Kentucky's going to try to do it. And so that puts a lot of pressure on a defense. As good as LSU's been, it's not like you're just going to sit up there and each guy get up and try to hit it. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of things flying at them defensively. So I think it's going to be a big challenge. Two of the hottest young coaches out there right now, both of them with programs that are on the up. I mean, 
what more can you ask for tonight, Paul Skeens? I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. I'm like counting the minutes. How we close are we? Got another six, eight hours. But you know, I love to watch this guy pitch. And uh, if you can listen, please tune in tonight. We're going to be having a blast on air. Uh, but if you can be there and you haven't been to watch this guy pitch yet, you got to go out and check him out. I love it because people have asked me uh, numerous weeks. They'll say, "Hey, uh, no." Sp- Paul's starting game one. Who, who, who are they pitching? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and again, not to take him for granted, no. but I'm like, I don't know. Does it matter? I'm sure really? he's good. I'm sure he's going to be really good. Uh, but the focus is all on, on the big guy out there right now. Not for just you and I, but for people all across the all, country. All over the country. Yeah. Doug, it's man, thanks for coming. I know you're yeah. busy, and I, you, you give enough time doing the games on the radio. No, so I appreciate anytime. you taking time out to come join us. The great Doug Thompson, everybody, again, join us on the radio uh, again this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the action of LSU and Kentucky. Doug, it's always a pleasure. I have a blast. and Looking forward to another great weekend at home. Likewise, my man. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Hearing Voices. Thanks to the legend, Doug Thompson. The other legend, Harrison Valentine, on the ones and twos, takes care of everything, decorates the set. All of this stuff is all Harrison. So thanks for what he does, and uh, we'll be back next time. Until then, this is Chris Blair still Hearing Voices.